Morning, everyone. I hope you're all excited about the carols this afternoon. Um, I don't know if you've seen what the elves have done on the front windows, on the similar street windows. Don't they look fantastic? Good job, little elves, whoever did that. Okay, so wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, I want you to not move. Just stay exactly where you are. No moving. It's a bit like statues. Kids, you know what statues are. And I want you to think about your posture at the moment. From the top of your head to the tip of your toes. How are you sitting or standing? How are your neck and shoulders? Do they feel tense? Do they feel supported? How's your back aligned? Are your feet flat on the floor? Those of you who are at home, are you hunched over a screen or are you reclining? Um, one of my roles in a previous life as an occupational therapist was to occasionally do assessments for workplace or setting up people at home after an accident or illness. And establishing good posture was a high priority and it needed to become something that was a daily practice. Um, not just a once in a while check like we've done today. Whether we sit properly, whether we use an ergonomic chair, whether we diligently practice our Pilates, posture matters and it matters in the long term. And whether we realise it or not, we also operate our daily lives out of the posture of our hearts. The posture or position or bent of our hearts matters. It certainly is reflected in our spiritual bearing, our responsiveness to God. Um, it determines our approach to the things that hit us in life. It's like that unseen rudder that directs the way we welcome any circumstance or season. And today I'm hoping that as we follow up on last week, which Mel so wonderfully introduced to us, that we will travel a little further with Mary and we will get a glimpse into her heart and what it was about Mary that readied her for a plan that she didn't even fully understand and that took her by surprise. So before we do that, we're just going to have the reading. Thank you, Nathan.
my thanks to the lovely Holly for helping put that together. Just let me pray. Father, we just give this time to you now as we open your word and we look at key people that you have used in history. Father, speak to our hearts. Help us, each one of us, to hear what you would want us to hear from you today, we pray. Take my words and make them yours, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we read and heard about last week, God broke into history by bringing a surprise announcement to a young poor peasant girl in an out-of-the-way place called Nazareth, an unknown backwater town of Galilee with no consequence anywhere in the world. And Mary's response to this astounding news that she would be the virgin mother of the Messiah is a beautiful challenge to us and how we respond towards God. God has not only broken into history, but he broke into our lives through the coming of Jesus, and we celebrate that this Christmas. So today we find Mary at her relative Elizabeth's home. It doesn't actually say, but we it is written that they're cousins, um, and so they're kind of connected in family. And I, But I just want to back up just a tiny bit to last week and just look at one of the verses <coughs> that um, Mel read to us. And it, it's after the angel has come to Mary and delivered the news to her that she's going to be the mother of the Son of the Ho- Most High God. And this, with those words, literally turned her life upside down. And he not only reassured her to not be afraid, but he gently directs her attention to what was considered another miracle, Elizabeth's pregnancy. It says in verse 36, and if you want to follow along, um, maybe look up Luke chapter 1 on your device or in your Bibles. But Now Elizabeth, your relative, is also pregnant with a son, though she is very old. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, but she has been pregnant for six months. God can do anything. And I think it's interesting that the angel added this. It, it could be seemed like a, oh, by the way, but we know God's word is never an afterthought. And I really feel that this, Mary wasn't given a command to visit Elizabeth. The angel didn't say go. But I love to see this as a divine suggestion, a planting of a seed that the Holy Spirit could grow as a way of showing love and care for this young woman in a very challenging place in her life. And God was providing her a means of comfort and support as well as proof of his faithfulness, only she didn't quite know it yet. And then in verse 39, it says, Mary got up and went quickly to a town in the hills of Judea. And that's where we start today. This was not just a walk to a neighbourhood house. I was reading about this. It was a journey of 140, 150 k's or 90 miles or so to where Elizabeth was in the place in the Judean hill country. So it was a difficult walk. It would have been through valleys, forests, up through mountains and and winding through mountain um, trails which would have taken several days, not just an hour. So it wasn't an easy trip. It involved physical risk, it involved lengthy travel, it involved sleeping out overnight. We don't know if Mary travelled alone, it doesn't say, but it would have been very unusual for a, a young woman of her age to do it alone. 
but she may have joined a, a caravan or a group of people travelling to Jerusalem at some time, at which because it was the kind of path that they would take to go to Jerusalem to the temple. But whatever it was, it was a, f- a challenging journey. So th- her journey was not just a physical journey, but it was also a spiritual journey because through her trek, Mary had to remain steadfast. And I imagine she had so many things going through her head. I know that as I hike or walk through the bush or wherever, you're thinking about things, your mind is going and you're processing. Um, And I imagine she was replaying the angel's visit and his words to her and what it might mean. Um, Millions of questions, probably lots of self-doubts. How can I do this? How can I do this? Um, And who knows how the conversations at home went um, after she'd had the angels visit. But out of the posture of her heart, even with all her anxiety and concerns, she simply trusted God and that trust made room for all his plans to unfold in and through her, as we know. What we know about Mary Mel reminded us last week that she was uneducated and illiterate, being both poor and female at that time. We know that she was from a Jewish family, probably a devout family, maybe one who modelled a trust in God through difficult circumstances. They were poor and hardworking, living in an oppressive time, having to work hard to pay triple taxes, one to the Romans, one to Herod, some to the temple. So they struggled. But we could also assume that perhaps being a Jewish family, that they would share the scriptures around the table. That they, maybe especially the Psalms, maybe they would talk about prophecies or God's promises to Abraham. But I'm certain they would have talked of God's love and his presence with them. Although the Jewish women at that time had no real legal rights or or status in society. They did, they were significant when it came to um, faith and family. Um, The women were responsible for propagating the Jewish faith in their children. So maybe, maybe just maybe, it was Mary's mother's influence that helped her steadfast faith in God grow. We can only surmise, I guess. She knew little of God's word, no books, no formal education or Bible school training, no taking notes on her iPad in the synagogue, no podcasts, no social media. But from what we see of her, what little she knew, what little she had experienced from God in her young life, she believed and she treasured up in her heart. Her heart that was already trusting in God allowed her to accept and submit without fully understanding what was going on. Be it unto me, she said, overcoming anxiety with courage and trust in a God she loved. I'm sure many of you have had your lives interrupted by the unexpected. In fact, I doubt there are too many of us whose lives even slightly resemble the plans we made when we were younger. From the more simple plans for holidays interrupted by COVID (coughs) to the more our five-year plan and goal completely blown apart and the life you're now living, maybe not the one you had pictured. 
Your story might not involve an angel or an unplanned pregnancy, but neither did you plan for what you're dealing with right now. The list is endless what it could be. Financial hardship, grief, loss, um, ill health, separation from family and friends. <coughs> the list is, can go on. But I'm sure as a newly engaged young woman, Mary had hopes, dreams and plans of a life with Joseph. And now she was going to be faced with the whole possibility of an unwed mother being disgraced and shamed in the eyes of her community. <coughs> Perhaps disowned by her parents, maybe disavowed by Joseph, which was going to be his right if he chose. Potentially even stoned to death in those times. And maybe her circumstances would never ever be fully understood by some people in her life. Yet the posture of her heart was one of trust and faith. How's your heart right now? <laughs> I ask myself, how do I find myself reacting when God interrupts my plans? So we have Mary arriving at Elizabeth's house. And it's generally known and sometimes joked about <coughs> that women love to talk to each other. They love to share with other women about what is going on in their lives. They long to find someone who will hear their story and journey with them. So who better for Mary to spend time with than someone who's going through something similar? Two godly women, favoured by God, experiencing a miraculous work of God in their lives. Elizabeth's another example of an ordinary woman with a heart of trust. One who trusted God despite the disappointment and hurt in her life. And here she is pregnant with John the Baptist. Two women of faith from two different generations trusting the same God. What a way to confirm the truth to Mary of God's working in her life than to walk for her to walk in the door and see Elizabeth six months pregnant. Something no one thought could possibly happen, especially Elizabeth. So Mary sees living proof, physical confirmation that the words of the angel to her were true. God giving her that reassurance and evidence of his faithfulness. How good is God? He knows how much we need each other, how much we need community and connection. He knows the strength and value found in sisterhood and brotherhood. Have you ever found after being with someone further along in their spiritual journey that their life and their walk with God has been a help and encouragement to you? I know I have. I know I have truly valued the input and support of other godly women <coughs> and men in my life, those who have supported and encouraged, those who have prayed faithfully for me, who have challenged, who have sought to understand You can hear sometimes God speak to you as the Holy Spirit gives insight or discernment through a trusted brother or sister. And then you can just go, oh wow, and be humbled by the Lord as their perspective gives you clarity. Younger women need older women. They will bless your lives in, in incredible ways and they'll teach and encourage you. 
But it also goes the other way. Other women need the joy of time with younger women because it refreshes their hearts. And I, so I wonder if Mary's visit wasn't just about her, but also Elizabeth needing support and in care and encouragement. We know Mary stayed for three months, so maybe she helped uh, in the later stages of pregnancy. God uses each of us to bring support, comfort, and spiritual discernment and insights. We need those faith-filled relationships, don't we, where we feel safe to share our stories and struggles. This goes for all of us, men and women. I'll just read, go back to verse 41 and 45 to 45. Just got to go on. <coughs> so as when Mary came to Elizabeth's house, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the unborn baby inside her jumped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She cried out in a loud voice, "God has blessed you more than any other woman." And he has blessed the baby to which you will give birth. Why has this good thing happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? When I heard your voice, the baby inside me jumped with joy. You are blessed because you believed what the Lord said to you would really happen. We see as these two women of God met that God is such a part of their time together. Here's Elizabeth with a teenage, unwed, pregnant, distant relative on her doorstep. Before Mary could say anything about her story, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and given insight from God that Mary is carrying the Messiah. So much so that the babe left, leapt in her womb. In Luke 1.15, it's interesting that it says when the angels spoke about John to Zachariah, he said he will be great and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Maybe this movement was not just a normal baby kick. Maybe this special leap was John's acknowledgement of Jesus, the first proclamation as the forerunner. But not only is her baby inspired, but so too is Elizabeth. Her joyous and excited greeting is inspired and she blesses and affirms and encourages Mary with her words. There's no condemnation or guilt heaped on Mary, just honour. How refreshing that must have been for Mary after a difficult few weeks. Elizabeth proclaimed, how can I be so favoured that the mother of my Lord? Elizabeth knew the truth and God revealed it to her and she believed and she testified. And how awesome is it, when you think about it, that Elizabeth is testifying to the Lordship of Jesus Christ when he was this big. <laughs> she started it all. She was the first one. I think at, some at that time too, something clicked for Mary. Elizabeth's words had affirmed her calling. She moved from acceptance and trust to adoration and praise to a God she loved. She saw that this task that he had laid on her was a reason for joy and thanksgiving. And as a result, we get what is called the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise, a spirit-filled hymn of praise and faith. Some say the first Christmas carol. 
an American Christian songwriter called Michael Card, who some of you might know, although he's from an earlier generation. Um, he wrote a song from Mary's perspective, and it was, it's labelled, What Sort of Song? And the words go a little bit, some of the words go like this. It says, What sort of song do you sing? When an angel has said a new world, a new world will be, will be born in you. That you should not fear now because you are favoured. How do you believe unbelievable news? That you'll bear his baby, the son of the most high. That you'll name him Jesus. How to reply? Oh, what sort of song do you sing? What sort of song can you possibly sing? So what does she sing? Mary said, My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices in God my Saviour, because he has shown his concern for his humble servant girl. From now on, all people will say that I am blessed because the powerful one has done great things for me. His name is Holy. An outpouring of praise. The um, contemporary English version goes, With all my heart I praise the Lord, and I am glad because of God my Saviour. Such beautiful song. And despite the consequences of her situation, Mary chose to magnify, adore and praise her God. Here we see a heart overflowing with thankfulness for who God was and what he had done, not just for lifting her out of poor circumstances in life, but bestowing on her the highest honour and performing an incredi incredible miracle in her life, a mere girl of lowly birth receiving God's favour on her life. It's suggested that some of her words here reflect Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel, as she, Hannah responded to God blessing her life. And it's possible, they're both Jewish women, and it's possible that Mary did know some of these words. But it did seem at this time of her heart being overwhelmed, she praised God in her heart language. What little she knew, whatever she had experienced of God, whatever she had stored up in her heart, that's what poured out of her mouth. Friends, we so need to hide God's word in our heart. Do we allow his love and his word to so saturate our lives that it becomes part of our heart language? <clears throat> Psalm 78, 6 says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord his power, the wonders he has done. We who have access to so much need to teach our children to know God's word from an early age so it's part of their heart response to life. For if we do not fill their hearts and minds with the things of God, the world will soon fill it, not with good things. What a great challenge that is for us as parents and grandparents. So we see Mary's heart posture was that of joy and praise. In verse 47, she calls him God my saviour. 
Mary saw herself as a sinner like all of us, an ordinary young woman needing a saviour, but chosen by God. She sings of, of God looking on the humble condition of his servant, his handmaiden. She understands her place, humble in the scheme of things both in the world and in God's eyes. She knew she was blessed because God loved her. It was all about God's grace. The, she felt unworthy to be chosen and we know God's choice is far from how men to cho tend to choose things. When we understand how much grace it takes for God to choose us. The posture of a humble heart like Mary's has the mark of someone who spent enough time in the presence of God to realise they deserved judgment and condemnation for their sins, but instead received mercy. Mary sees God's actions as evidence of his great love and mercy. So she sings of it from generation to generation. Mary stood before God just like we do, like I do, needy, flawed and nothing to merit his favour. She was amazed that God knew her so well and loved her so well. And he chose her anyway, just as he chooses us, knowing us the way he does. Lastly, in verses 51 to 55, Mary declares the victory of God over those who portray themselves as proud and powerful. She believed and hoped in a God that could and does turn the world upside down. She is one who was poor and oppressed was among a and among a people who felt forgotten. But she believed God would fulfil his promises. She believed that the first would be last and the last would be first. That the humble would be exalted and the exalted be humbled. That the mighty would be cast down from their thrones and the lowly lifted up. She knew God loved the forgotten and the passed over and he showed mercy to those who didn't deserve it. He found the hungry and he filled them. I think Mary was not only just praising God but maybe arming herself with the truth. <laughs> she may have been reminding herself of this just to prepare herself to go back on her journey back home. She knew that the battle was God's. She was a woman facing an unknown and uncertain future but she trusted God. She also reflected back on what God had done in the past in rescuing his people, more specifically on God's faithfulness to Abraham and his grandson Israel and their descendants. She trusted his character and his ways. She remembered God as Israel's helper, as her helper. So in, in conclusion... This godly young woman who lived more than 2,000 years ago is such an example of one who loved and trusted God and who responded to God with a pure submissive heart at a time that God was to change history. So as we enter these last days leading up to Christmas, how do we respond to the breaking in of God through Jesus in our lives? I ask myself, how is my heart? How is the posture of my heart? Does it need a little realigning? We learn from Mary that she had a heart of trust and God loves a heart that loves him and loves to obey. He is honoured when we acknowledge his right to direct our lives. 
Do you recognise God at work in your life right now, asking you to say yes to his plans? No matter what twists and turns our life may take, we need to remember our lives are part of God's unfolding story. No matter what generation we are part of, there is no use by date for God. You may not see yourself as anything special, but neither did Mary or Elizabeth. All of us can allow our hearts to love and trust him and to surrender our plans to him in faith and let him do the rest. And from Mary we learn, are you seeking to be a blessing in other people's lives? We need those who will walk with us, celebrate with us, hold us in our pain and affirm the work of God in our lives. Don't underestimate the importance of your role in the lives of others or theirs in yours. I love to think about David sometimes who we read about in the Old Testament and he's described as a man after God's own heart. Now I'm sure that's not totally about moral character because David didn't always make right choices. He was a man, he was fallible and he didn't have a great track record all the time. But I think it was about his heart that despite it all he had a great love for God and he trusted God and he desired to do what God asked. And I like to think that Mary was a woman after God's own heart. After all, she was chosen to carry his heart. And she was chosen to birth the Messiah into her needy world. We too are called to do that, to carry his heart in Jesus and to carry him into our needy world. The parties and celebrations will come and go. Decorations packed away into the tubs once more. The chocolates will get eaten. The leftover cookies will get stale. But the saving truth of our Lord and Saviour will remain and will always be worthy of our hearts saying yes. Let's realign ourselves and our hearts afresh with the true hope of Christmas today. And maybe reposition ourselves a little bit with a heart posture that is ready to receive all that God intends for us. May we, like Mary, have hearts remembering to trust in God and remember his purposes in Jesus leading up to Christmas and the coming year. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the Christmas story that we read about stems from your heart from before time began. May the posture of our hearts make room for Jesus this Christmas as we get the full picture of your promise of salvation since you have broken into our world. We rejoice in what you have done in sending Jesus to come to earth, to live a sinless life, dying in our place on the cross, rising from the dead and ascending to heaven and sending his spirit to guide us until he returns to establish his kingdom. We praise you, Father. With our heart, we praise the Lord. Praise his holy name.